follow prophetic streams at all, you can't help but to see all the revelation that is coming. It's powerful. It's uh, overwhelming. You know, you're trying to understand all of these different directional things that God is talking to us about. Um, so we're going to talk about it today. We're just going to process through just even some things that have happened this week, uh, which, like I said, there's so much pouring out on us. So let me just pray over us. Father, I just thank you that your word alone is, is, uh, is enough. Your word is enough. And, and God, anytime we need a word from you, we have the written word in front of us. And your spirit takes what we read and, and brings it to life, where it becomes this life-bearing gift that penetrates the very core of our soul and our hearts, Lord. But because of your generosity, you also give us those rhema words, those prophetic words that, that meet, that combine with your written word and help us to guide and focus and, and really be transformed in what's coming. So, Lord, we just thank you that um, you speak to us in all kinds of ways. And it is surprising. It is uh, heartwarming. It is correctional. It is everything that we need. You are more than willing to give us. You don't withhold from us. In fact, you pour out your, your river of living water in us and through us so that we can be fully saturated with who you are. So, so Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. So the scripture that has just been on my heart, and this message has been on my heart. There's probably several times I've shared this just this year. You're going to hear some things I've already said. You're going to hear it again because I feel like this is such a season. We've got to grab a hold to what God is saying in order to move forward into what's coming. Uh, the scripture I'm just going to open with, and you don't have to turn here because we're actually going to look at Matthew 9. But the scripture is 2 Chronicles 20, 20. I think uh, Kevin will have that up for me. But it says, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Now we know that when we believe in God and become born again, everything within us is transformed. And we walk out that transformation glory to glory, moment by moment, time by time with him. But it also says, believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Now think about that for a minute. When we believe in the Lord, we're established. But when we believe in the prophets, we shall prosper. And um, yeah, believe and trust in his prophets and succeed. And what I want to really dig into here is what is God saying right now? In just two, we're going to take two little sound bites and we're going to look through Matthew 9 and, and talk about what is keeping us from truly receiving <laughs> what God is releasing in this season. So um, I'm going to start with the, the word that we talked about last week from Bob Jones, and it'll pop up here in a minute. It says, Bob Jones told me at least 10 times, this is from Sean Bowles, uh, when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, you will know that revival is about to come. God is raising up his apostolic chiefs. So what happened last Sunday? 
the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. That word, uh, I went back and did some research on it. The first, I believe, the newness of that word came out in 2003. So think about that. It wasn't, you know, Bob Jones passed away in 2014, but, but so that word has been brewing for some time. But that word is also, isn't it funny how God uses the Super Bowl? I mean, when you think about it, there are other things he could have used to get our attention. But he used this, this game between the Super Bowl and the 49ers as a demarcation of what is coming. It drew the line of what is coming. And, you know, he just wants to confound us because we're like, God, let me give you the, the, uh, the liturgical way you should have released that word. And the, and the uh, doctrinal way you should have let your people know that revival's coming. And it certainly wouldn't have been in a Super Bowl with a halftime that would definitely cause you to blush, you know. But God's like, I can do what I want to do. And I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, bound by your mental restrictions I'm not bound by that. And I'm showing the world that I can do what I want to do. And I've got two Christian quarterbacks. So what we saw is we saw prayer on the field. We saw glory given to God by everybody, both quarterbacks. You know, they didn't go storming off the field going, well, we lost. And they're all, you know, the glory was given to God. And I can use a stadium of unbelievers and believers all mixed in the same place to put a line in the sand of what's about to happen. Because I can do whatever I want because I'm God. And because I know what is best. And I know what's going to be the breaker anointing for this season. And we're like, God, but we know what is best because we're born again and we have the spirit living in us. And he's like, (laughs) you're so cute. Because that's what we tell our kids when they, we, you know, when we think they know, they think they know everything. We're like, I just love you. In a few years, you'll be coming back saying, you know, mom, you were right. <laughs> you know, mom, you know. And that's what God's saying. You guys are so cute. Because in a few years, you're going to come back and say, you know, God, you were right. He's going to be going, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, we don't think of it in those terms many times, but it is true. There is a mental uh, battle that we have to overcome in order to receive the line that God is is drawing. And what's so funny is someone sent me, I'm going to tell you a little bit more more about this that Sean uh, Bowles shared, but um, someone sent me, a word that I released on Elijah list on 2-2-2019. You know the Super Bowl was 2-2-2020. And the word was, let's see if I can find it here. Because she said, do you, remember, do you remember what you wrote? And I was like, no. You know, once it's, once it's gone, it's like literally gone. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> literally. It, I said, uh, I wrote about the Super Bowl of God. And how Colosseums filled with people shouting the name of Jesus, which of course we didn't hear the Colosseums shout the name of Jesus, but but there's a Super Bowl of God um, 
where they're Billy Graham type crusades with all these different things. And, you know, I went on to write about it. But when she sent me the word, what I felt like God was saying is, I can use the Super Bowl to get the attention of the world. And it's interesting because uh, I, was, I also was reading that um, these crusades that are happening now, there'll be a crusade in Miami uh, next year. Of course, the Super Bowl will be in Tampa in 2021. But the same day as the Super Bowl, uh, Kanye West decided he was going to rent another coliseum in Miami and have a huge evangelistic outreach before the Super Bowl. That was filled, uh, you know, I mean, God is confounding everything that we think is normal because he's got a new normal for us. He definitely has a new normal for us. And um, Sean went on to write about, he wrote a little bit, uh, he wrote a little follow-up to this word. He said that... um, that Bob Jones shared with him at that time, this was 2003, about apostolic chiefs being raised up. And he, and he said he felt like that, uh, if he felt it was important that people who will, who will move governments to build God's movement and plans in society Ministries in all spheres of influence are going to be more directly appointed to positions of authority. And he said, think of Joseph and Daniel. So when you think about this, you know, as Christians, we grab a hold of that word. We want revival. And I remember Bob Jones, I've met him before. Chuck and I, uh, we were at something where, you know, he prophesied over Chuck and I. He was part of the Morning Star uh, system or ministry, whatever you want to call it. But um, I remember we had read something where he said, we'll see this billion soul harvest, which is also connected to this word. Y'all have heard about the billion soul harvest. When um, there were a couple of, of, uh, when this happens, this happens. But he says, when the people in China will be able to join worship services off their watch. Which, of course, you know, that the entry of the Apple Watch made that, made that possible. So God is using these little lines of demarcation out of the world system to show us he is releasing this giant flood on the earth. Even as Pastor Jean was, you know, releasing that word today. You know, he is releasing a flood on this earth of revival. Yeah. He's releasing a flood of revelation so we know what's about to happen. That is telling us this is what's about to happen. What that actually looks like, we don't know. We, we don't know what that's going to look like. You know, we understand the revivals of the past, which didn't look anything like the, you know, one revival, uh, Azusa Street, didn't look anything like the Wesleyan revival. I mean, so they all look different. So we're unable to package this in a program we can't package it in anything because we actually don't know what the package looks like all we know is god is god he's going to release some apostolic chiefs whatever that is he's going to put people in position that can make a transforming 
work in regions and governments and Hollywood, which we've already seen. I mean, just think about it. The, what is happening right now is beyond what we can truly comprehend. Yeah. It really is. It's, it's beyond what we can comprehend. And, and what we have to do is allow God to break us loose of what we demand the outcome to look like. We've got to be broken loose from that. Because all we know is that Jesus is king. His blood's paid for everything. He gave us his spirit to live in us. And he said, go. That's what we know. And what that going looks like is looking much different for me now than it looked for me 20 years ago. And it's a great time. And it's a tenuous time. It's an uncertain time. It's, it's, it's a beyond time. But it's, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. So anyhow, I just feel like, you know, here we've got this, this Super Bowl win. And, you know, there's some people, I'm sure, that were upset that the Chiefs won. Um, I didn't care. I didn't care if God's if God's gonna if God's gonna use a win to change the face of where we're going. I don't care what it is, right. as long as is you know God's win wins. But I feel like we've got to grab a hold of this. Yeah. We've got to break off what is keeping us from seeing, from discerning, from perceiving what God is doing, because uh, it's just different today than it even was yesterday. And we have to be able to move with the different. And we all know change is hard. We, know, we all know it's hard. Because we like certainty. All of us, we like certainty. I like certainty. And it's not that times are uncertain in the outcome of what God's going to do. It's the uncertainty that we haven't gotten a, uh, 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 the cliff notes so we'll know what he's going to do so we're not uncertain about what my next step is. So anyhow, let's go to Matthew 9. There's a couple other things I want to share with us too. Matthew 9. And we're going to start in verse 1. And then Jesus, getting into a boat, crossed over the Sea of Galilee and came to Capernaum, his own city. They brought to him a man who was paralyzed, lying on a stretcher. Seeing their active faith springing from the confidence in him, Jesus said to the paralytic, Do not be afraid, son. Your sins are forgiven. The penalty is paid. The guilt is removed. And you are declared to be in right standing with God. That alone should shake us completely loose. You know, our, our sins are forgiven, our penalties paid, the guilt's been removed, we're in right standing with God. And some of the scribes said to themselves, this man blasphemes by claiming the rights and the prerogatives of God. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your heart? And I'm going to stop there. Because we've got to break the legalism that keeps God from moving in our region. Right. We've got to break the legalism 
that, that has so bound the church because we are caught in such a legalistic mind and I know that none of us are. So I'm really just talking to the general atmosphere out there. But I really want to, I want us to talk about this because we know that when we see things that disrupt what we've been taught, what we think we believe, what our doctrine is, then what happens is instead of seeing the move of God, we begin to push against what God is doing. And I'm going to show you something. If you'll go ahead and put that other slide up there. So this is Kim Clement. He passed away in 2016. Now I'm going to read these prophecies to you. Trump shall be a trumpet, says the Lord. April 4th, 2007. Did anybody know what that meant? I didn't know what that meant. I'm not even sure I even ever heard it. Okay. They will shout, impeach, impeach. But it will not happen. There will be two terms of a praying president in the Oval Office. He will come in praying gently, but I will fill him with my spirit and he will roar. That is February 22nd, 2014. Now, when you look at that, now last time I said something about Trump, someone left our church. So let me just apologize now as I offend you all, because I'm sure I will. And if you decide to leave, you can just send me a PS, you offended me, so I'm, I'm out of here. Because uh, really, last time I talked about this, but it's not uh, about Trump. I, this is what I want us to understand. If I would have seen that in 2007, it probably never would have dawned on me, Donald Trump. In fact, it may not even dawned on him. Many times you release a prophetic word not understanding what the word means. But what happens is when you release the word, it releases a breaker anointing in the atmosphere. There's a spiritual realm that is released on, on earth. So when we release the prophetic word, we may not, most of the time, 99.9% .9 of the time, we have no idea what it means. And if we try to interpret it in that moment, we're going to mess it up. Because God is releasing something that his people can pick up and go into the throne room and pray into existence. And what has to happen is our opinion and our preference has to die. So that the word of God can live. And as long as we come against the word of God, which who knows? You know, who knew all that? Who would have said, impeach, impeach? You know, who knew that? Now, I've, I've told this before in, in 2015, before the, uh, uh, whatever they're called, the uh, primaries in 2016, the Lord told me it would be a Trump ticket. And I've told you guys, I said, do you want me to pray against that? Because there's my opinion, and there's my preconception. And it was a genuine question, too. Because I was like, ooh. <laughs> I wouldn't even know what that would mean. 
But, you know, we have to go before the throne room of God in order to birth the prophetic that's been released. And if we don't find ourselves in the throne room and we find ourselves in the boardroom or the bathroom or our, our publics releasing our opinion, then what happens is, is God's word gets bogged down. And it doesn't mean that God is not going to fulfill his word because nobody can say that because that is exactly opposite of what the word says. But what happens is there become delays. Disobedience costs all of us. And I've talked about this before. And the example I gave, and I'm just going to briefly give it, is when Elijah was facing Jezebel and Ahab. And he says, you know, God, there's nobody but me left. Just take me now. You know, oh, he has that. He really has that discouragement that prophets get. They become discouraged and they become oppressed and they become heavy because they've got, they've, they've, they've been in this battle of releasing the word of God and there's all this force against them. And God said, don't worry about it. He spoke to him directly. He said, do not worry about it. He says, what I want you to do is I want you to go anoint Jehu as king. I want you to go find this guy, Elijah, raise him up as, as your successor. And I want you to anoint Hazel. And what he said is, whoever Jehu doesn't kill, uh, Haziel will kill and whoever they don't get, Elijah will, Elisha will get. But you know what happened is Elijah only did one part of the three parts. He only found Elisha. So it ended up, there was a 17-year lag between when Jehu was supposed to be anointed as king and when he was actually anointed. 17 years. So what happened is Ahab and Jezebel got to run rampant for 17 more years. And they should have been stopped. So this prophetic process that we're in right now, this release of this flooding revelation, we have got to birth it. Our responsibility is to birth it. When we hear those prophetic words, we're to take them to the throne room and work them out with God. How do I pray into this? How, what do I do about this? And there are still Christians who believe that Trump was not God's man to be in office. And that may be one of you guys. I don't know. But what, what we need to understand is whether we like it or not, when God begins to move, we have to give up what we don't like so we can move with him. Otherwise, we will be, we will be the, the cog in the wheel that keeps the kingdom from moving at the pace it's supposed to move. It doesn't mean that God is not going to move. What it means is that we're the drag. You know, we're the one that, that's dragging and dragging and dragging. We're the one that's having these obnoxious debates over something that God has already breathed on. And so where is our surrender to what God wants, not what we want? 
And, and, you know, I know that that is hard to think about. You're like, no, I'm all in. And we are. We are all in. But in being all in, we have to be all in. And that means that our, our flesh has to be all in so God can, can, can get rid of it. It means that our opinions have to be all in so God can change them. You know, we all have an opinion about something. If somebody calls you and said, can I get your opinion? You're going to be like, yeah, I got an opinion. I got an opinion about pretty much everything. But what I need to know is, is that God's opinion? Because if it's not God's opinion, then my opinion is nothing. It's just nothing. And, you know, when, when, he, when he healed this man and forgave his sins, there was no celebration. It was all about being landlocked in a thought process that wouldn't let the freedom of God blow through it. We can't be landlocked in this thought process. So let's go to verse 9. In 9-9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew, Levi, uh, sitting in a tax collector's booth, and he said, follow me uh, as my disciple, accepting me as, you, as your master and teacher and walking the same path of life that I walk. What an invitation. We can walk the same path of life that God walks. And Matthew got up and followed him. Then as Jesus was reclining at the table at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners, including non-observant Jews, came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciple, why does your master eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, those who are healthy have no need for a physician, but only those who are sick. Go and learn what this scripture means. I desire compassion for those in distress and not animal sacrifice. For I did not come to call to repentance the self-proclaimed righteous, who have no need to change, but the sinners who recognize their sin and actively seek forgiveness. You know, what I loved about this is I was thinking about Matthew, and, you know, he, he was a, a shrewd, and, and he was able to skim, skim a little, get a little extra for himself, you know. He, I mean, he just, he just, he had game. He had game. But what's interesting is Jesus saw the potential of Matthew. And when he was invited to his house, he went. And he didn't go say, okay, I want you, don't you invite any of your low-life friends to come with you. You know, don't invite them over. Let's just me and you. Just me and you because I don't want to be around them. He was like, whatever the environment that Matthew lives in, I'm coming in to change that environment. You know, I'm coming in to transform that environment. And Matthew, who, who, you know, had some fun friends too, it says, ends up being from sinner to leader. You know, he goes from being the one who... If you were on his side, you could trust him. But if you weren't on his side, it's kind of iffy. Goes to becoming a disciple, becoming an apostle of God. 
you know, as Bob Jones is those chief apostles rising up and he sent out with the rest of the disciples to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. He wasn't sent out in perfection because Matthew wasn't perfect in what he did, but he was sent out to walk the same steps that Jesus walked. And, you know, when God raises up a leader that shocks us, we got to quit looking at what's wrong with them. We got to start praying for those leaders. We've got to start, you know, Timothy says that if we pray for the kings and the leaders that are over us, then all will go well with us. If we complain about them, then all will not go well with us. It won't work for us. And God is raising up leaders in this season that we're like, where did they come from? Who picked them? God was like, I did. I saved them. I delivered them. I am transforming them. It's a transforming work. It's not, they're not perfected. They're transforming. They are going to make mistakes. Like us. They're, they're going to stumble a time or two. So what we have to do is not focus on their stumbling. But we've got to focus on their anointing. Yeah. Now, I don't want us to get confused that we aren't discerning. Right. Because we're going to see some, some, some big false prophets rise up in this season. We're already seeing it. We're seeing stuff come out of people's mouth. You're like... There ain't no Jesus in that one. There's no Jesus in that one. <laughs> we, you know, there's just nothing. And, and you know, one thing that I just want to warn you guys about is um, what I'm also seeing is people saying, well, God told me, so that makes it right. And it's not really out of an arrogance or a, um, um, you know, this desire to be right they just forget sometimes that we know in part and yes God told me and this is the peace I have but it says that the word of the prophet is is isn't judged by the other prophets we're going to know the word one of the big things now is people are going to know exactly when Jesus is going to return well, the word says that no one knows except for the Father. But, but there's, a, there's kind of a move of revelation being released that different people have gotten timelines or, or different people know the end time. Well, that's not actually true because the word says it is not true. And it doesn't mean that God hasn't given them revelation about things that are going to occur but if someone shows me a timeline and says, this is when it's going to end, I can't receive that because it goes in opposition to the word. But I can listen to the signs that they feel like God has shown them. So it's, it's uh, my friend used to say, you know, we eat the meat and we spit out the bones. We can't throw everything out. We have to be able to, like I said, we've got to be able to take it to the throne room. We've got to be able to chew on it with other people, pray through it. Because God is, you know, it, Samuel 
when, you know, the prophet Samuel, when he released the word, God said his word will never fall dead to the ground. Right. Which means everything he released that he said was God happened. Right. We don't have that level of one prophet in the season we're at. Because God has poured out his spirit. All of us can prophesy. There are prophets, but all of us have the ability to hear from God and share what he is giving us. But it also goes through our soul. It goes through our mind. It goes through, you know, even when God gives you a prophetic word, sometimes you're trying to get a handle on what it is he's showing you. So you can actually put words on it that have some level of articulation of sense so that the person that's receiving it or the person that's reading it can actually get something from it. And through that translation, there, there is not a perfection. Does that make sense? So when we hear people give a prophetic word I had a revelation from God you know I, I believe you know what what Bob Jones said and what uh, Kim Clement said you know what those words were taking out taken out of a whole bunch of words you know it was a whole stream of other things being said where those were filtered through and we can look back especially on Kim Clement's word you know it's 2020 we just had our president, uh, the, impeachment did, the impeachment did not go through. So it's easy to look back through, you know, five pages of, of prophecy and preaching and pick out one, two, one, three sentences. So it, we don't always have, um, I guess my point is, is that that's not the only said, thing he said in 2014. But it's easy for us to look back and say, oh, look how accurate he was. And part of our process is hearing what's being said, praying through it, and watching the revelation of God come into the manifestation of reality for us. Does that make sense? Because everything that's said carries some presence on it, but we have to process through it. Anyhow, what was I talking about? Pro false prophets is what I was actually talking about. So we, we need to understand that there's going to be things that we hear that are not of God. And when it goes against scripture, then we know it's not of God. That's an easy discernment right there. Part of the other discernment is we're waiting for it to occur. If they're saying, you know, the world's going to end at XXXX date, which we've had several of those prophetic words, 2000, remember the year 2000? It was over. Computers weren't going to work. You know, no one had the intellect to take it from 1999 to 2000. That's what they kept saying. Every computer in the world is going to crash. I don't know how gullible can we be, really. But, uh, but, you know, so we've had those end-time words. But what we have to do is we have to pray into, we have to get before God and pray into what he has for us. And how do we help birth what is right and what is not right? Okay, we're just going to leave that for a minute. Let's go to uh, 14, verse 14. 
I have so much to say. I'm just trying to get my brain to connect with uh, what I'm trying to say. Okay. The disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus saying, Why do we and the Pharisees often fast as a religious exercise, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus replied to them, Can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast. But no one puts a piece of unshrunk new cloth on an old garment. For the patch pulls away from the garment, and worse, and a worse tear results. Nor is new wine put into old wineskins that have lost their elasticity. Otherwise, the wineskin bursts, and the fermenting wine, the fermenting wine spills, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, so both are preserved. It is a season of new wine and new wineskins. We can't put the Azuzu Street Revival into the 2020 revival that God is doing. Because it won't fit. Because there's different people. There's a different breath of God on it. There's a different move. There's a different purpose. Everything is different. So we can't try to pull the old into the new. We've got to let the newness of God in this season fill up the wineskin for this season. The new wine, the new revelation, the new wineskin. It doesn't mean that the prophetic words from 20, 40 years ago aren't going to be alive in this season. What it means is we can't take what we knew from the last season and try to formulate it into the new season and, and call it God's breath, of, breath on it. We've got to let go. We've got to let go. I think that's my big word today. We've got to let go. I've got to let go. Because we, we do want it. I want to read this, uh, this uh, quote by uh, um, Kanye West. And it's about himself. He said, all the arrogance and cockiness that y'all have seen me use before, God is now using for him. He says, because every time I stand up, I feel like I'm standing up and drawing a line in the sand and saying, I'm here in service to God. And no weapon formed against me will prosper. I'm here in service to God. Now, um, you know, that can be a tough one to swallow when we've seen the past of someone and God's doing something new. But what we have to do is we have to trust God for the transformation of each person that he's called. And trust that God has a inner circle around them as they rise up in, in, in their elevated place to help them stay on task. To help them stay in the place that God has for them. And trust that if I'm not in that inner circle, what I can do is pray. Yeah. What I can do is declare. What I can do is say, no weapon formed against him will prosper. What I can do is say that whatever the enemy had planned for him and used for him for however old he is, 40 years, will no longer be valid. Right. That's the power I have to come in an agreement with what God is doing. What I can say is, 
you know, the president spoke at the March of Life. What I can say about that is, God, thank you that he values life. Thank you, God, that he is the first president in American history that has ever spoke at a March for Life. Thank you, God, that your value is life, and I'm aligning with those who align with you, and so I declare protection over that step. You know, what we have to do is reverse our first response to a God response. And when we're able to reverse before we converse, then that makes all the difference in the world. If we can hold our tongue and think about how can I declare God's goodness over what is happening? Think about the power that that has to align us with the move of God that's happening right now. I might not like the vessels he uses. I might not like the way they say it. I might not like the timing. I mean, I have a lot of things that I might not like, but big deal. Who cares? Chuck's mom used to say, what is that to me? You know, I have got to learn, we have got to learn as a body of a Christ to bridle our tongues and reverse our thought process to align with what God's thought process and that that is that is I think that's going to be one of the greatest breakthroughs in this season that we're in because you know this whole thought process of declaring has really been become um, in the forefront over the last 10 years the whole thought process of everyone can prophesy has really been more worldwide understanding in the last 10, 15 years. All of this, maybe in the last 20 years. And what's happening is now that people have been freed, we've been freed to think that we might hear from God and we could actually share a word from God. We got people practicing. And when they're practicing, it's not perfect. So we, as a body, have to be able to glean what is good. And the people we have influence in their lives, we help direct and encourage and correct what's not quite working. And then that way, when we make a mistake, we don't feel like we're to be crushed and... and ejected and all those different things we feel like oh I've learned something and I'll, I'll, I'll be able to do it better next time because someone invested in me to help me someone prayed into what I was saying to help me understand what was going on and maybe where I added to it or missed from it and you know some of the you know some of the big name prophets we don't we don't have access to them but we do have access to one another. And the way this revival is going to work is everybody works. Everybody's a part. But we've got to change our, our thinking and our verbiage so we can align with the everybody. 
we've we've got to it's funny I had a little po someone posted something on Facebook and um, I'm kind of a numbers person so when I see numbers a lot of times God talks to me through numbers so they posted on Facebook a uh, Wikipedia uh, definition of numerology mm -hmm. well you know Wikipedia you add your own meanings. You know, you can send them what you think they should add to whatever they're... It's, it's not the Britannica, right? Does anybody... There may be some people who might not know who that is, but anyhow. But, uh, you know, it's not an encyclopedia. <laughs> it's, it, it's... Anyhow. So they, they post this whole thing about the numerology because they didn't like the fact that it, the uh, Super Bowl was 2-2-2020, two, two, uh, that it was Reed's 222nd win that it was the 33rd day of the year with 333 days left. I mean, there were all kinds of, there was numbers everywhere. So they basically posted how, uh, basi it was basic witchcraft. And I was like, huh. You know, for the most part, I, I, I try not to look at what's posted. <laughs> yeah, I'll skim through, I'll look at all my daughter's stuff, you know, this kind of stuff. But uh, I just looked at that and I thought, Wikipedia, really? <laughs> that that was a, that was a thought. I was like, okay, and I thought, and I and I wrote on there. I said, you know that every Hebraic letter has a numerical value. And she's like, oh yeah, that's right. Blah 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 blah. That's all I said. But I really thought about it, and I was thinking about God talks to us in ways that we think are stupid. As we're driving down the road, we see a billboard, and we're like. That's you. Anybody else would be like, what? <laughs> but God knows exactly what we need. So whether he talks to us in a 222 or a 333, I remember one of the biggest revelations I got was when I woke up, now don't laugh, at 11, 11 p.m. because I'd probably gone to bed at 8 o'clock. So I was like, oh. And God began to talk to me about a scripture out of Hebrews 11, 11. He's like, get up, open your Bible, and go to Hebrews. I was like, okay, you know, God wants to talk to us in all kinds of ways. Whether it's the 222 of, you know, Reed's win or, you know, whatever it is. He is not bound by culture. He's like, hey, that's a good one. It's his 222nd win. I've got something to say on that. You know, Isaiah 22, 22, you know, the whole authority thing and the keys of David and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's okay that something unusual brings us to the word to be able to search out what God is saying. Right. It's okay it's a billboard. You know, it's okay it's the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. It's okay if it's your grandchild saying something to you and you're like, I think that was God. <laughs> How did they know? It's okay. God wants us to loosen up. But he also wants us to be wise. He wants us to be flexible, but he wants us to be steadfast. He wants us to walk in this great tension of the holiness, the awesome, the wonder of God and him giving us a dream about petting us on the head or holding our hand. 
You know, this great tension of everyone who encounters God falls on their face, except when we encounter God and we fall on the ground laughing. He wants us to be able to live in the tension of the unknown while he is God and he's showing us something that doesn't make any sense to us. And there's that tension of God. Why would you show me this way? And the more that we're able to live within that tension of God, the more that we'll be able to receive revelation from him, be able to receive understanding and discernment because we're not so pulled tightly to one side that we can't be stretched into the place that he has for us. He wants to move us along while we still hold on to the holy, marvelous, beautiful creator God that is worthy to be praised, that, that uh, the Israelites wouldn't even say his name because it was too holy to say. He wants us to hold on to that because if we let go of that, then we just become this loose rubber band that's just flopping all over the place because we have nothing to hold on to. That's what tension is. He wants us to hold on to the word of God yeah. while still being able to hear the rhema of God yeah. and being able to pull those together and knowing that he is speaking to us. Right. We've got to hold that band of tension because if we don't, if we let go of this side, then we'll get in this legalistic bondage. If we get, let go of this side, then we get into this loose, crazy stupidness. And I'm sure we've been on both sides. And God's asking us, hold. Just hold. Because as you move forward, the tension of him being holy will move with you. As you move forward in this rhema, the tension of the holy God will keep you from moving too far. God has the right amount of tension for us in this season. And what we've got to do is grab a hold of the tension and not let go and let him transform the world that we live in by what he's doing in this hour. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, I've asked a couple of people to join me. We're going to do a little prophetic, a few prophetic words this morning. Um, so Jeremiah, I need mics, please. And uh, Jean's going to come up, and Matt, and Bruce. Because I felt like God had something to share. They may be. And uh, Jeremiah got tired. <laughs> Cut her off. <laughs> and he's, they're going to bring you, you guys mics. Yep, he's coming. Yeah, I just felt like there was something to be shared at the end of this. And... Uh, I told Jean and Jeremiah, I mean, Jean and Bruce, I, I forgot to tell Matt, because I said, you know, I know God's got uh, something or other. And that's about all I have. And Jean says, yeah. He says, what's this? It's something or the other? <laughs> but I do really feel like he has something for us this morning. And uh, they're going to, do you have that other mic, Jean? Okay. Thank you. So you guys can go when you get ready and well I have I have I have, I have a microphone <laughs> um, 
That is a prophetic word that will stretch you? Yes. Um, I, I have two things. Um, and the first one is a vision God gave me last night, uh, just before I went to sleep. And, um, and I, the Lord said that there is a rumbling. There is a spiritual rumbling that is so deep right now that only a few people are hearing it. But it's there. And as it grows, and I want you guys to hang with me on this. Um, as this rumbling grows, it's going to get closer to the surface. And those who have discernment will hear exactly the, the direction that this is going. And I saw in the vision, I saw three things. Number one was I saw this um, just upheaval of the earth in a, it was an orange grove or an apple orchard or something, and the trees just falling um, everywhere. And this orchard was totally destroyed. Um, and the next thing that I saw was cathedrals falling. Hmm. Um, and the third thing that I saw was um, political buildings and courthouses crumbling. And I believe that God was saying the fruit that we are used to is no longer good. It's no longer what is best for us. And, and obviously the cathedrals and the trust that we have in church itself, not the heart of God, but in church itself, God's going to take that away from us. Hear, hear this with your, with your spiritual ears. And the last thing, the destruction of the political edifices. Nothing, nothing that we are trusting in is going to be good enough in this move that God is bringing. It's going to be destroyed and it's going to be rebuilt um, with God's character. And the second thing that God shared with me was one of the reasons and, and again hang with me on this but one of the reasons that we sometimes have a hard time seeing a true move of God is because Cindy talked about um, being able to see what's going on and it's because we have scales on our eyes when I was a teenager and I heard that phrase I always wondered what that meant and I'm thinking fish scales um, but what the Lord showed me is you ever get hard water spots on your faucets that scale and and I was thinking about because I'm a, um, a nerd when it comes to these kind of things I was thinking about when you get this lime scale on your faucets, the only thing that, that takes care of it is an acid. Because the lime scale is alkaline. If you know anything about the pH scale, the lime scale is alkaline and it takes an acid to take it off. Okay? Uh, that's why vinegar and lemon juice are great cleaners for things like that. And so on the, on the pH scale, it starts at 1 and goes to 14, I think. 
13, 14. And right there in the middle is the neutral. And isn't it funny that neutral, the perfect place to be, is the number seven? That's another God thing. <laughs> so, so what that means is we may fill our lives, we may look at things that that seemingly are okay. I'm a huge baseball fan, and I love to spend an afternoon watching a baseball game. I just love it. That's slightly right of neutral. That's slightly right of the pure place that God wants us. Just slightly. Just slightly. Ever so slightly. And so we, we see things, we watch things, we look at things that seem harmless and are, but... Over and over, there's this thin scale that comes over our eyes where we, we see, we don't want to, it's not a conscious thing, but we're lulled into seeing the kingdom of God through the eyes of this world yeah. instead of seeing the world through the eyes of the kingdom. And so the Lord is just saying, guard yourself. If you're spending most of your time watching baseball games, Spend more time in the Word. Go to that neutral. Find that neutral place. That's good. You ready, Matt? Well, even during worship, what I, I continue to hear from the Lord um, when I've been praying about this was, um, you know, the Bible tells us that we, come to Christ, we are a new creation. And and Jesus told us that, you know, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And so, as I was thinking on that, uh, it just continued to come back in a powerful way, and then as you were talking about Trump and the attacks, the impeachment, and the thing is, is we see um, the attacks on him, but even as Christians, there is just a rising antichrist spirit that hates everything that is godly that is truth that is the way that is the life and so what came to mind was um, Isaiah 43 where it says um, I have redeemed you I know you by name because you are mine and so if you know Jesus and he he has claimed that to you he says subsequently when you walk through the water I am with you when you're crossing the river, I'll be with you. And when you walk through the fire, it will not burn you, neither will the flames scorch you. And so while we're excited about this time of revival, we're all, you know, rising to that role that, uh, that we each play a part. The intercession, walking in truth. Um, we need to understand that no matter what the enemy's throwing at us, what people will throw at us, that God is right there. And he will bring beauty where there is the most burnt out ashes. And so that's, you know, we're going to see testimonies over and over. And that was some of the things that we saw. We actually had seen some of the prophetic words were just, it's, it's the, you know, the people that are leading worship like Kanye. But be prepared that even in the church, people that are coming in, they're going to have piercings and colored hair. And, you know, and then what do we do about government-sanctioned relationships right now, same-sex relationships that the government says okay, and they walk into our church, what do we do with that? We love like Jesus, mm -hmm. 
And, uh, and so that's really what I see is, you know, understanding what's going to come against us because we're walking with that love, but also being able to pour that right back out in people. So that's, that's what I was getting. That's good. That's good. That's good. You mentioned uh, more than once during your message uh, this morning the word disruption or disrupt. And God was speaking to me even earlier about uh, uh, that he's raising up disruptors. Uh, and, and the sign to some of you that God's preparing you to disrupt is you're being disrupted right now. Okay? That way that when, when, we, when we move in this in uh, this realm of disrupting, we're not doing it with the intention to disrupt. We're just trying to follow the mandate of God. But any time that you advance the kingdom, there's going to be a reaction against it. And I'm reminded of the scripture. It says, it says that, that I will shake again the heavens and the earth. God is raising up some disruptors that are going to shake things up. And, 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 and I'm not saying God's raising up troublemakers in the sense that, you know, you, you, just, you just bad news everywhere you go. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that walk humbly before God, but also walk in obedience. And that obedience will bring an edge. That obedience will, will bring a sword. Even uh, Malachi, in, in, uh, speaking prophetically about John the Baptist, says he will come as a refiner's fire and a fuller soap, and he will purify the sons of Levi. I don't know what fuller soap is, but I remember my grandparents talking about uh, uh, lye soap. That stuff burns, man. <laughs> and we all know what fire does. I grabbed a pan of hot biscuits last night. I was reminded of what fire does. But God is raising up disruptors. He's raising up disruptors in the marketplace. He's, he's been raising up disruptors in government. And he's going to raise disruptors in the church as well. Because God is shaking everything that can be shaken. But, I, he, but right now there's a call, there's a preparation, and there's a call for those that will disrupt. Let him that has an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit of God is saying right now. That's good. Only you know. Only you know if that if, if that if that if if God's not if God's not calling you to it then then all I'd say pray for those that are okay and don't be shocked and don't be offended because He's raising up disruptor. You mentioned uh, Azusa Street and although we can't bring the past revivals into the the, the, the current revival, we can learn from the past revivals. <laughs> Azusa Street was a disruption big time because we have to understand that those that thought they were going to be used to bring the move of the, 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 the Pentecostal movement in, into place were not the ones that actually were used Azusa, before Azusa Street there was, there was a group in Topeka, Kansas led by a minister by the name of Charles Parham and they were seeking God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and for the, and for the, and for the Pentecostal gifts to be restored to the church. And during that time, there was, uh, this was back, you know, obviously this is back just before the turn of the century. And, and as these classes, and as Charles Parham was teaching in his Bible school to an all-white group, there was 
a black man, African American, that was blind in one eye that was not allowed in the classroom. But they allowed him to sit in the hallway. And it was this man, William Seymour, who left that classroom, went to California, and went to an address in Southern California called Azusa Street, rented a feed store. And out of that feed store, not out of the Bible college, not in mid-America, not in middle-class white America, but in the, in, in, in the streets and in the ghettos of Southern California in a feed store, God birthed a move and brought a disruption that went around the world that we're still beneficiaries of that move today. You hear the prophetic, you hear tongues, your interpretations, you, you see gifts of the Spirit. You can look back at a young African-American man half blind in a feed store and say, this man brought this. Understand that God is raising up disruptors in this hour. Disruptors not because they wanted to disrupt, not that they were trying to disrupt. They just wanted to fulfill the call of God. Kanye is a disruptor. Trump is a disruptor. Uh, hello? And that doesn't mean we're all called to have the same personalities, that we're called to do things the same way or say things the same way or get a Twitter account and, and, and tweet every 20 seconds. But when you move in the call of God, when you move in the anointing, and when you move under a prophetic unction, you will disrupt your circle of influence. You will disrupt institutions. You will disrupt your family. Get ready. He's releasing a call for the disruptors. Good. That's really good. Thank you. Just turn it off for me. Yeah, and then uh, I just want to do a little P.S. on that, then we're going to pray and close. But uh, the one thing that God has been showing me um, is that we have not seen the signs and wonders and miracles that are going to happen. That, that, that the, life, the life that we're living right now, we are, um, it's almost like we can reach out and touch what God is doing. And people, um, not people, the enemy wants us to be discouraged because we haven't seen what we thought we were going to see. He wants us to give up hope. He wants us to no longer hold on to the promise that God has given us. But God is saying, it is right here. It is right here. And we will see, uh, again, more and more testimonies of these encounter with God, encounter with angels, encounters in ways. And I'm not talking about glitter, and I'm not talking about feathers. I'm talking about these tangible encounters with God that will so turn you upside down that you are going to be unable to uh, process the fullness that God is doing. The promises that God has given you they are here. They are near you. They, they, are, they are birthing forth. And, and I just want to encourage everyone, do not give up hope. Do not say, 
you know, Lord, I know that this is what you promised me, but it's okay if. Do not bring that promise of God down to an earthly equation that, that allows, you know, 2 minus 0 to equal 0. I mean, two, I was thinking two times zero equals equal. What, what God is wanting us to know is that what he's promised he will do. And that it is not our job to change the facts of the promise that he's given us. Our job is to grab a hold of that promise and marry it to the word of God and pull it down into reality. And how we do that, for each one of us, it will be different. But God is releasing the promises he's given us in this season. So I, I just want you to expect miracles in your health, miracles in your family. I want you to expect, you know, the roads to change when you really need to go a different direction, but you miss the turn. I, I want you to expect it not only in the silly things of life, but in the big things of life. I want there to be an expectation because God's going to abundantly more meet it, but he will exceed it for you. Amen. So let's pray. Thank you guys for uh, just pressing into this. And I know that we have, a. I feel like we have a bunch of disruptors here. Thank you, Lord. If you guys will stand, I just want to pray over us. And um, I just really feel like we need to pray about the scales. Um, so, Bruce, do you want to pray about that? Do you still have a mic? Thank you, Lord. Father God, we thank you for we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your grace, Father, that calls us back to that center. And Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you would bring the washing of the water of your word to clean the scales off of our eyes the intentional distractions from the enemy as well as the innocent things that we bring on ourselves father we want to see what you are doing with absolute clarity and absolute purity and Lord, I ask that you help us to forget whatever steps we think we need to take to get back to that center. But Father God, I ask that you bring your Holy Spirit in power and in might to call us back to where you want us to be. Thank you, Father. And Lord, we welcome, we welcome the change that you are bringing. And we say that with a bit of trepidation. Because we know that in this process, you are going to disrupt. You are going to, Father God, upend things that we are fond of. But for your glory, Lord, for your glory, we welcome the change that you want to bring. And Father God, I ask in Jesus' name that even right now that you would anoint our eyes to see and our ears to hear with clarity what you are speaking and what you are doing, Father God. Lord, we want to be, we want to be in the forefront, not lagging behind saying, what was that? 
but in the forefront of bringing your kingdom to this earth, Father. And Lord, I ask that you bless everyone here as we leave. Just draw us close to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so, Lord, I just want to—I um, want to seal this over us. I know that the hearts here in this house and the hearts that watch online—they are hungry for the more of you. They have words that they're releasing to their friends, to the, their sphere of influence. They have words that have power on them. They have words that have transformation and a, and a shifting of the atmosphere just as they speak, as they enter the place. So, Lord, I am just praying for uh, just a, uh, an increase for everyone, an increase, Lord, as we are united and aligned with who you are. And, God, I am just releasing right now miracles and signs and wonders in each household, in each life. Lord, I am, I am just declaring that your promises are, are, they're like breaking forth, like an egg being broken open. Uh, God, that you, they are breaking forth. Every promise of healing, every promise of financial provision, every promise of children coming home, every reconciliation, every business that needs to succeed, Lord. I am just declaring, I am, I am just declaring right now, Lord, that there will be a, a plan for that, an intervention by you, Lord, that you will send those angelic hosts to, to uh, apprehend like you did with Daniel and with Mary and with Joseph, to apprehend what, what you have for them, Lord. So God, we're just aligning in agreement with what you've promised. And God, we just thank you for every word. And we just, we come into your throne room and, and, and pray into the birthing of these words in Jesus' name. And, and the protection, even something Matt said, that, you know, that attack against Trump was, a, was an attack against every one of us. Because any attack against your plan attacks every person in your family, God. So God, thank you for your protection that has kept us from uh, being um, uh, taken off the, the path that you've had for us. So, so Lord, the more of you is here. It is here. It's like Deuteronomy says, the word is here. It is near you. It is not too hard for us. So what you're calling us to do is not too hard. It's just different. So thank you for the different, Lord. And we bless and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. If you'd like prayer, we have prayer available. And have a great week.